Hello everyone, I'm Kayame, and welcome to Game Over. Um... I'm your host, Kayame. I said that already. Uh, Vancouver just, um... What? Just won against the Seattle Kraken. Um, we've heard that before. Um... <laughs> A few times, but we almost didn't win, and that was certainly an interesting um, choice tonight. I am very, I am joined with uh, Chanel, who's amazing. Love Chanel, one of my favorite Twitter mutuals. Um, uh, but first, I just have to get a little message out to you. Think you know what way what way it's gonna go? Make your bets with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Alright, now that that is done. Hello! We, uh, we have won. So, yes, a little recap of the Canucks game that was almost our first regulation loss. Uh, to, or first loss to the Kraken. Um. Uh, first loss to the Kraken in, uh, yeah. Franchise history, basically, but then it wasn't, so we are still undefeated against the Kraken. Um, unfortunately, in your case, Chanel, I guess. Um, yeah, so it looked like it was going to be a loss for a minute. Um, what were your thoughts on how, uh, how the Kraken came off kind of with the attack and getting the initial lead in the beginning? You know, they always find a way to surprise me, especially this season. And I think this was a perfect game to show someone who never watched the Kraken play before. Um, because although we didn't make the comeback, per se, after just a wild couple of, you know, plays and periods, um, it was quite surprising. I, I didn't expect it to go to a shootout at all nor maybe overtime. Um, but I, at the end, I was like, there's there's just no way we're getting out of this one. We just seem to, time and energy seem to catch up with us. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that Jersey throw on the ice from your guys' perspective might have been the reason for uh, for the will to win. So. Yeah. Uh, which Jersey throw? There's been a few. <laughs> um, like the most recent one. Whatever, yeah. yeah, most recent. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a few people saying, oh no, it's going to be another 5-1 Canucks at home loss, which we've had f five of, I believe, now this season. Um, yeah, it was, the Kraken are certainly an interest, uh, an exciting team to watch, um, especially this season. And, you know, we always love having good teams in our divisions. Don't, like, it's just, it's just so great to have, like, a team that's, you know, wonderful. Um... The team that's, you know, leading the standings, kind of, a uh, kind of, they're kind of high, they're higher than us, uh, which is kind of easy to do. But, 
yeah, like you said, I didn't expect it to go to overtime. I did not expect- I was, like, waiting for the, you know, <laughs> Kraken empty net, and I was like, Kraken 1-6-4. I was accepting a loss at that moment. Um, but then, yeah, they- the Kraken and the Canucks are surprising. The Canucks were surprising in a worse way this year, but they were certainly surprising. Uh, yeah. After that first goal, it was- it was uh, kind of a little scary at the McCann goal where he scored from the blue from the Canucks blue line, and uh, I was a little scared because I was like, that just reminds me of that one goal. Uh, I think it was Rasmus Anderson last year in the Battle of Alberta playoffs against Mike Smith, except it was all on the other side of the ice, but still, like a, what are you doing? Uh, he overcommitted to one side, couldn't get back on the other side, and I've seen, like, Martin... He also did this later in a goal where he just kind of leaves his net a lot and um or he leaves his net he's out of the crease a lot he likes to skirt around the blue paint i don't think he understands he can just stay in there the entire game like that's his job that's what he gets paid for um yeah and then lane peterson also i'm pretty sure they were trying to kill like announcers and like people who recap the game because they put Pedersen and Peterson on the same line. I think I think uh, John Shorthouse made a comment about that during the stream, or somebody did in the pre-game uh, pre show. But yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. I saw him play in Abbotsford a few weeks ago, and he's been he was he's been great for the Abbotsford Canucks since we got him from Carolina um, in the Bear trade. Also about the Bear trade, Ethan Bear was scratched tonight. Not sure if that's the best best situation. It's not, not the best situation. Um, considering, uh, Stillman, I'm pretty sure he, like, just fell at one point. It's just why. Or he gave away, he iced the puck when we needed a change. That was my main thing. Oh, okay. Erica has joined us as well. Um, all right. Going to have a couple uh, technical difficulties. Somebody in the chat just said EP40's flu game. Um, yeah, that's. I'm the Seattle Times. Hey, sorry, doing my post game stuff. No worries. All, All right, hold on. Let me turn my light. Okay. all right hold on let me turn off root sport yes live uh, show yes yeah <laughs> all right um and then oh my door so i'm not interrupted
No, I'm ready. Ish. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> Hello. Hey. Sorry to hold you. I was uh have to do like a post game hit for my podcast. So all good. Understandable. All right. Sorry, I'm just adjusting everyone so everyone's in the shot. <laughs> that <laughs> always helps. That would yep. Always it's always great to have people you can see when you're doing a show. Yeah. Now I have had a lot of technical difficulties as of recent. I was streaming the other day and my headset cut out midstream. So Oh fun. Yeah. Not on here though, but in another realm of understanding. Alright. Too bright. Too dark. Ish. Alright, whatever. It'll be fine. Hey, friends. Hello. All right. I think I got it. All right. right. My sports bra showing, but that's just going to have to be life today. All good. <laughs> All is a okay. This is the best it's going to get. Awesome. I have <laughs> done the cropping. Took me a while. I understand how OBS works. That's great. Yeah. So, right now we're just recapping the game. Um,. We're recapping the game, yeah. It looked like it was going to be um, another Canucks 5-1 loss, and then it turned out to not be another Canucks 5-1 loss. Um, what were your thoughts, Erica, about how the Kraken's performance and maybe the Canucks' performance, if you so choose to? Well, you know, the... <laughs> I wanted this win badly. <laughs> I mean, I just have to say it. I wanted this win extremely badly for Seattle for a number of reasons. First being that the first time we played the Canucks, we gave them their first win of the season. I thought that they got really physical with us, and I didn't think the boys handled it very well. Uh, the second being that this is the first of three consecutive um, Pacific Division rivals. And if we want to be a team that's going to be taken seriously with our record and where we stand right now in the division, in the league, we have to win these types of games. So it was great that we got the, the first goal, the early goal. We had some punch back, but, you know, ultimately I really wanted this one. So I'm a little bummed right now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is understandable. I mean, I, I love having games you think you win and then you don't. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've had plenty of those. Um, yeah. Um, certainly, like you said before, the um, Canucks got their first, um, their first sit win of the regular season against you guys earlier this year. Which also was not a pretty game. It was that was five four, I believe, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah, it was five four. That's correct. So it was we squeaked one out, and uh, that that was how we decided to come into the W column in the NHL for this season. <laughs> not pretty, but we did it. Uh, which I feel like could be the motto of the Canucks this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really thought as a Canucks fan who has watched them over the past few months, I was. I was accepting um, lower in the standings. Uh, I was accepting just, you know, this is not going to be good. This is not going to go well for us. And then it kind of did. No offense, you know. I'm cracking fans. Apologize. You guys are new to, new to the league, but uh, um, 
still it still hurts when you lose it still hurts it's not it's never fun um uh yeah i just wanted to get a couple que uh uh ask a couple questions about the kraken specifically um what are your thoughts on the veneers for um calder talk because i've heard um if either if you want to chime in for that because i know uh he we almost injured him so apologies for that that was um yeah luke shen we let him on the ice and it should come with a warning sometimes but yeah i told my friend who was not watching the game i told him i was like oh yeah well the we almost injured veneer uh, shen almost injured veneers and then he's just like oh did how hard did he hit him and i was like no he didn't hit him it was a puck but yes uh thoughts on kind of how the kraken have kind of they're making a name for themselves with this younger sort of aspect of this team as well well i mean it can't go understated how maddie veneers has helped the seattle kraken team play the way that they want to play uh, for a long time in the beginning of the season when we still weren't really committing in my opinion to the way that we wanted to play ice hockey maddie veneers was that difference and he continues to be. Um, so yeah, uh, if Maddie Veneers, <laughs> Maddie Veneers going down, it would is it does it not go well, you know, did 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 not compute. Um, so you know, um being able to have a young talent like that, obviously, you know, I talk about the the Calder odds and stuff like that on the podcast all of the time. And that's exciting, right? That makes people talk about Seattle even outside of people like me who watch the games. Um, but more importantly, in my opinion, I think that he plays the way that Seattle wants to play. And he's helping bridge the gap between what we were last season and who this team will be in the future. He's doing that right now. He's one of those players that's doing that right now. He fits in. He plugs into a lot of different areas, even when he's not scoring. He does a lot of things that Seattle needs to do. He's one of our more consistent players. So, I mean, I could go on for literal days <laughs> speaking about Maddie Beneers, but he's extremely important. Of course, it's exciting knowing that he's up for Calder. But again, I think he gives us so much more than that. Uh, and, you know, my hope is that he continues to grow. And he has so far, not just, um, you know, throughout the course of the season, but you see that he works on things. Um, you know, essentially from game to game. And so I think that bodes well on to him having even a higher ceiling than what we see this season. Yeah. He's definitely going to be a player to watch for the franchise um, over the few years and definitely going to be a pain if the Canucks are going to try and uh, rebuild and get into a playoff spot in this division with um, the Kraken also um, and uh, Andre Burakovsky. Um, he's been really great uh, pickup as a UFA. Um, Martin Jones as your goalie, considering the season he had last year in Philadelphia, who would have seen that? Uh, who would have seen this working out? Considering everything that happened with uh, Drieger and like being out for the season, and then yeah, uh, I kind of I kind of relate to the whole Maddie Veneers going down as you know because he. He's a push for many different aspects of the team, um, right? Offensively, defensively. That's kind of like what um, 
what Patterson was for us, and he was just not here for the last week. He got the flu, cold flu, that's been going around Vancouver for, like, or probably everywhere, but I know Vancouver it's here, because almost everyone I know is sick, so, or has been sick recently, so, yeah, that was not good. I'm, a, I'm so sad that it doesn't count as a six point, um, a sixth point, because, uh, then he would have had the first Canucks six-point game since Marcus Naslin in, I think, February of 2003. And, uh, I don't know, I was two months old when that happened, so... <laughs> that's, uh, it's been a while since that happened, uh, considering I am a functioning human now, kind of. Um, yeah, alright. So, yeah, pretty much, it looked like the Kraken had come to town, but eventually the Canucks caught up to them. Eventually the Canucks, um, woke up. They haven't- this was a trend last year, uh, I noticed. They weren't really giving it their all in the beginning of the game, and then there was a trend at the beginning of this year when they would give up near the end of the game. Kind of also almost happened in the Kraken home opener, uh, or the Kraken opener when we actually won our game, but... Yeah! Um, then I was, like, Kuzmenko scored, and then when Sprong scored to make it 5-3, I was really just, uh... I was shocked, but also not shocked, but also a little shocked. Because, one, not shocked because Tyler Myers' giveaway. Two, um, not shocked because the Canucks blew a kind of chance at getting the game back. But, like, it was so soon, too, but it was almost predictable in the way that the form of the Canucks goes. I think last our last six wins are overtime wins, and I know the Kraken are no strangers to um, high-scoring games either. You know, um... That whole, uh, 9-8 game that one night? That was... Yeah. 17 goals wild. 17 goals overall, Chanel. Like, what? That, that doesn't sound like it should be... Like, I feel bad for the goalies in that game. That's That sounds like Oof. they should... Uh, I they, literally just, sh like, shivered. <laughs> they, should, they should file a complaint with, like, the NHL Players the Association. Just be like, hey... <laughs> Just hey, this is inhumane condition, inhumane working conditions. Just like, because they're a union, aren't they? I don't know what unions do. Anyway, <laughs> um, all right, yeah. And then Besser with the tip in. That's why I'm wearing my Besser jersey. One, because I couldn't find my Pedersen jersey, and two, uh, Besser scored. And when Besser scores, I get I I get to wear the jersey. That's that's my role. Um, or I want him to score, or want him to not get traded, because I also. <laughs> it a couple weeks ago when that was coming out um and then Pedersen ties it and I just want to hear I, I just want to know what were your thoughts in that moment when Pedersen ties it with a minute and 20 to go and it's his fifth point of the game ah. <laughs> um we've been encouraged not to swear on the locked on show so um oh my gosh I'm not sure there's much I can say <laughs> that doesn't fit into that. I I mean, it's just, you know, uh, there's there's a saying on Kraken Twitter uh, and on the podcast, I call it Kraken crap. Let's just put it that way. And and it that's what it is. I mean, if you look at <laughs> the opportunities that we gave up in this game, I speak probably at nauseum for some people about defense. And I, I, I think that the Seattle Kraken have gotten better in so many areas. 
And in my opinion, defense is last on that list. Now they've improved somewhat, but that's more so because they're playing a team defense. But we as a team get burned when when we lose that. Um, And unfortunately, I do think that we don't have enough defenders that are light afoot and we get burned a lot. Our goaltenders get burnt a lot backdoor and it just hurts my little heart because um, I think Grubauer, he had an injury, so it's tough to say, but let's just talk about Martin Jones in this game. Even if you go to earlier in the game before it got all wild and crazy with goals, when we saw Vancouver be able to tie it up, it is because it was a partial breakaway on the rush and Martin Jones can only do so much. You either come out of the crease and you try to cut down the angle, but then you leave back door exposed. And I mean, it's just rinse and repeat. And so for me, those are the things that get extremely frustrating. And that's why it's cracking crap because it's predictable. It's like predictable what the breakdowns are going to be. And that's going to be difficult if, again, we want to defend the record that we have now, especially at this point in the season, comparative to what we did all of last year, let alone at this point last year. These are the things that have to be different. And in my opinion, these are things that are fixable. These are habits that are fixable. And so to see a game like this just con- be a continuation of cracking crap, as I say, is extremely frustrating. Again, I wanted this one so bad. Um, we've never won against Vancouver as a franchise. This was an important time. And more importantly, showing that we can eliminate cracking crap is extremely important at this time in the season. We just didn't do it. We didn't do it, Chanel. I'm I'm ticked. I'm really ticked off. <laughs> um, yeah. I I understand that all oh, the def- defense not kind of um being like kind of leave you leaving your goalie out to dry that um has uh yeah leaving your goalie out to dry has been a trend uh as well for vancouver hockey for years um so i understand the problems in that aspect i understand uh the whole issues with the defense considering i don't know how much our defense costs but it is too much for what we get sometimes um and yeah, uh, I think our defensive choices are are interesting for the Canucks, especially. But I know Kraken also. There was a couple moments where I was like, "Okay, that's fun. That looks like us. That looks like you just like." I feel like def- defensive issues are just um, it's a Pacific Northwest thing, apparently. I guess it's it's uh, or I mean, I guess we could add Edmonton in there because sometimes they have problems. But we don't like to talk about Edmonton here because um, why? That was a joke. Sorry, Edmund. Sorry, game over, Edmonton. Um, but yeah, high-scoring game. Um, I'm just gonna take a quick second right now. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Um, down below. Uh, yeah, if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, of course, rate and review. Um, you can find me on Real Kaime on Instagram. Uh, Instagram, Twitter. Oh my gosh. Who uses Instagram when you can use an app that, uh, that, uh, is almost dead? Um, you can find Chanel at Chanel Lee 37 and Erica at elindsay08. 
All right. Um, I just want to, we kind of touched on this already. Um, if you guys have any questions in the chat, I was questions in the chat, um, for either of our guests, um, questions, comments, you know, about the Kraken in general, um, go ahead. You guys are part of this too. And, uh, yeah, I have a specific question. We're going to touch a bit on the Kraken this season and how it compares to last season and stuff like that. I, the chat, some people in the chat would like to hear Chanel's and Erica's thoughts on Sprong's game so far this season. Chanel, would you like to? I think he's, he's obviously having a great season and it's really nice to watch him shine a little bit. Like, I, I knew his name when we got him. I was like, okay, this is an interesting pickup and he made a lot of really important moves, I think, over the, the summer, which is, obviously has helped us. I think a lot of the vibes have changed. Uh, I was telling Erica, I was like, I, I really think we need to go sage Climate Pledge Arena um, before the season starts because the vibes are off. Um, and yeah, I think he just swaps like really well with all the guys he's surrounded by. And I think the, the years effect is definitely benefiting him as well. I mean, like the team, the team just seems a little bit tighter than they were last year. I think last year is more of a trauma bonding situation where they all, you know, ended up in this place whether they wanted to or not. But now some of them had a bit more of a choice to be here. And I think that that's really showing true this year, um, you know, through the trials and tribulations. And sort of what Erica was saying earlier, like the cracking crap situation is very real. I feel like I get flashbacks to last season every time we give up a lead or every time, you know, we go down a couple goals and they just, you know, start to shake a little bit. I'm like, oh, can we make it? Can we do it? And I think the worst part is when we start off really well um, and then we lose it in the middle of everything. And then, you know, you kind of have to make that choice of like, are we going to do the hard thing and try to climb back or are we just going to see what happens? And I think a lot of the recent games, and I think we're in a weird spot because it's the holiday times. Um, I've noticed across a lot of the games I've been watching lately because I've been watching a couple teams this year. Um, it, it just seems like an awkward time for a lot of people. And I think uh, I was even just today thinking about my own family and how um, this is the first holiday in a couple of years that there'll be a lot of people at my house again. And so I think a lot of people will be traveling for the first time back home for the holiday. I, I just think there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Um, but to answer your, your question, um, Sprung is Sprung has sprung. Sprung has sprung. I hope he pops off in the spring for real. I think you know all these conversations kind of might not mean anything if we don't make the playoffs this year, which would really, really uh, mess things up for us uh, mentally, I think, and emotionally. Um, but yeah, we'll see what the rest of the season has for Sprung. But I'm excited for him, and I'm proud of him. Yeah, and as as far as me for Sprung, I think it's such an interesting, um, in a good way, um, storyline that he has, right? He was with us last season, and then he has to come through as a PTO and really fight for a spot. The fourth line has been 
an integral part of the Seattle Kraken success. I mentioned Maddie Beneers, but another piece of our game that quite honestly has been really consistent has been our fourth liners. Now, Coleman, uh, you know, we had to wish him farewell. But um, <laughs> uh, if you look at Ryan Donato, anyone who listens to Logs on Kraken knows I absolutely adore Ryan Donato. Um, you look at what Sprong has been able to do, Morgan Geeky on that fourth line. They have been contributing and they've make, been making it difficult, generally speaking, uh, when we play other teams, which opens up things for the other lines. If you look at what the Seattle Kraken did, I mean, Jared McCann's having an amazing season. But last year, we were looking at Jared McCann. We were expecting a lot from Schwartz and Eberle. Schwartz gets hurt. Eberle not contributing at the level that you know we were hoping or expecting. I think Brandon Tanev has ebbed and flowed. He had a really important peak, him and Yanni Gord, during our first winning streak, our, our five-game winning streak, longest in franchise history, until our seven-game winning streak it was amazing. Um, but all of that to say... The fourth line and Sprong, when he's been drawn in the lineup and you've seen he's getting more time now consistently, he's been really great. I like that he has that grinder mentality. I've always, again, I, I love Ryan Donato, and part of the reason I like his game is because it is a grit and grind, or once, you know, he gave the quote, piss and vinegar. Like he wants to see Seattle play with a little more piss and vinegar. And I think. Daniel Sprong has a little bit of that. You know, he's got something to prove and he's been doing it so far. So those are my thoughts on Sprong and just the fourth line overall. Um, I wish we would get a little bit more of that kind of like grinded out gutsy energy. We are a very polite uh, blue collar team. I saw in the YouTube chat, <laughs> someone <laughs> saying, um, I mean, I'll, I'll remix it basically saying this is still a young team on locked on crack. And I say, we're still teenagers. We play like teenagers. Um, so I think that's very real. It's extremely frustrating at times. Cause I think we're trying to be like, we're trying to be the mature teenagers, but sometimes we're not cracking crap pops up. Um, but Daniel Sprong, I think has been amazing. So I, I love that question. And again, just the fourth line for us has been really important. Yeah. Um, certainly the youth is adding to how people underestimate the Kraken and stuff like that. The fourth line, it is interesting because, um, you guys have like a scoring fourth line and, um, they're producing, it's kind of like last year we had like the motto line with Tyler Mott and Yuho Lamico and Matthew Highmore. And then, um, I know Lamico's overseas now, Mott is in Ottawa, I think Highmore signed in St. Louis or something, but yeah, I just remember that era when people were talking about how important a fourth, a scoring fourth line is, and then seeing, you know, um, Seattle tonight, the Seattle just play in general with, you know, Sprong and Donato, obviously. Um, and then, uh, comparing it to us, who we have a rotating group of, like, players we brought up from the AHL, or actually, no, our fourth line center is Niels Oman, who we signed from Sweden this offseason, um, which was a huge meme because Patrick Alvin, of course, signs Swedish players, but, like, he's been pretty good for us. He, um, I believe has not missed a game so far this season, so, you know, not a lot of players can say that. Um, yeah, but we had, I guess we have three scoring lines because our highest offensive line was the third line tonight because Elias Patterson as a third line center does not sound right at all. Um, but 
that's what happened. That's what happened. Um, yeah, it's certainly interesting. I remember going to, I went to two Kraken games last year, but in Vancouver, obviously, but, um, I went to two Kraken games last year and I remember sitting, sitting there and we were losing 2-1 after the first because Mark Giordano scored. It was in February. So before, before he was traded, before he was traded, um, Mark Giordano scored, and it was 2-1, and I was like, how are we- I remember thinking, how are we losing to the Kraken at that point in time? I'm sorry, I'm sorry it hurts, I know, I mean, I mean, I hear now how are we losing to the Canucks sometimes, so, but not very often. Um, uh, yeah, and now, like, this game, I was fully expecting another 5-1 loss for the Canucks. I was fully expecting to be like, oh, we're losing to the Kraken. It's okay, because it's the Kraken. They're good now. It's this kind of... I feel like they were definitely underappreciated last season coming out, and because the thing about Vegas is everyone wanted to play in Vegas, and people compare them to the Vegas expansion team and the Vegas expansion run and everything. Um, You know, they go to the freaking Stanley Cup finals. That's not a big deal or anything. Um... Uh, go Capitals. Anyway, um, yeah, so, uh, this whole, like, the aura of successfulness or whatever, because at that point, the Golden Knights had not made, had not missed the playoffs in franchise history, which was, like, five years long, but who cares. Um, whereas the Kraken, everyone expected that immediately out of the gate, right out of them in 2021, and it was just, like, they don't have that same energy, because, like, everyone wants to go to Vegas, Seattle rains a lot. I, I don't know. I, I think it does. I have, I've been once, but, um, I'm assuming it's similar to here, but yeah. So it's kind of like the difference in attitude heading into like Chanel saying trauma bond, trauma bonding. And then now this team, people actually wanted to come and sign here, sign there, um, which we've had a problem with that too. I understand. Except, you know, we didn't take Andre Kuzmenko to Joey's, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was certainly, it's certainly a good turnaround for the Kraken, I'd say, this year. They're an exciting team to watch. They'll be an exciting team for the next few years to watch, as, you know, they also have Shane Wright as well, um, who's uh, getting some playing time with uh, future Anaheim Duck, Connor Bedard. Um, I don't know. That's that's what I'm hoping he goes. I actually know. I probably shouldn't hope that he goes, because that, that, puts that puts more pressure on all of us. So, um, yeah. All right. Uh, any other thoughts about generally the Kraken, how they kind of um, have evolved like a Pokemon evolution this year with them? I mean, yeah, I, I kind of went on a little bit of a rant uh, yesterday uh, on the podcast because there was this article that was like, but better how though? Like, how is Seattle better? And I was like, in every way, we are so much better than last year. Um, I mean, we we really are. We have really focused a little bit more on our checking game. We when we focus on that team style defense and, and really making things difficult and uh, winning possession of the puck, I think that's when we play our best. Getting out to an early lead is extremely important for us. Uh, the crack and crap rears its ugly head because last year, you know, we would have to score five, six, seven goals just to kind of keep up with the other team. Um, 
the next evolution for me is being able to maintain a lead. I mean, we had a two goal lead at, at some point in this game in the third period and, and weren't, and then we had to go to a shootout. So those are the frustrating things. Uh, but this is a much better team. Uh, I, I take absolutely no offense when you're like, how are we losing to Seattle last season? That's a, that's a last year thing. That's an inaugural season thing. It can't be a thing this year. Like that should not be a thing. People should, respect us and i talked about that on today's podcast like losing games like this hurts because it it puts a chink in the chain it 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 um really ruins the integrity that this team has worked so hard to build especially given the way that we played last year and you know a lot of the narratives outside of in my opinion seattle kraken the seattle kraken fan base are about vegas and comparing us to vegas and I think we get that. That makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways. Ron Francis, though, I think did a great job of reestablishing what the standard was going to be for Seattle. Now, whether people chose to listen to him or not is another thing. But I think Kraken fans know that we're doing something different than Vegas and that Vegas isn't the standard for us um, because Vegas, yeah, sure, they made it to the final the first year and they made it to the playoffs um, their first handful of seasons, but that wasn't sustainable as we've seen. And so Seattle's really trying to build sustainability. So again, I mean, it's tough to say because there are a lot of good things. And maybe if you catch me on a night where we win against Vancouver, I, I focus a little bit more on those, but this, it, it stings. It stings because these are the things and these are the, the these are the things that the things that happen in this game are things that are going to hold us back from being the team that, that we can be. And for, you know, showing that we're not a fluke, you know, this isn't, this isn't a flash in the pan team. This is a, a team that, that can really uh, go far in a team that as of right now is in playoff position for good reason, but we're not going to keep, we're not going to keep that if we can't win tight games. We're not going to keep that if we don't win against division rivals. We're not going to freaking keep that if we can't beat Vancouver. <laughs> so like that's just kind of ticking me off right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I like how you said about sustainability. I feel like uh, I feel like um, Seattle's already walking circles around, running circles around Vegas because, you know, climate pledge and all that. And also, uh, um, their uh, jer- our jersey your guys's jerseys are cooler than theirs anyway i just like i love the color scheme just saying that way cooler um and your logo is way better anyway too because like who likes knights that's weird um all right uh okay just um do 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 another reminder like comment subscribe rate review if you're listening to a podcast pl- on a podcast platform subscribe down below to sdpn um, I'm at Real Kaimai on Twitter. I'm with uh, Chanel37 of Hockey Tomorrow, um, which is new and up and coming, and we will be discussing that in this li- last little segment here, as well as Erica uh, Ayala. I pronounced that right? Awesome. Um, at elinzy 8 on Twitter. So follow both of these wonderful people. Um, and yes, um, uh, Erica is also the founder of Black Rosie Media, uh, which uh, is an organization that promotes and supports uh, Black women and BIPOC creators in sports media. Uh, they, they do great work. Host of Locked On Kraken. She's already mentioned, you know, Kraken crap and stuff like that. 
the uh, phrase, as well as being a Premier Hockey Federation and a National Women's Soccer League broadcaster. Um, yes, also, Chanel shout out worked with the Kraken in their inaugural season, um, kind of fluke stuff, uh, whatever happened last year, you just put it in the past, um, but she was their intersectionality consultant, which I think is quite amazing. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to hand this little third section of the show off to you guys. Um, I'm going to start. Chanel, what was it like working with the Kraken as your as their intersectionality consultant as well as um, what's your new work with Hockey Tomorrow? I understand there's a talk show coming with um, my personal favorite website, HockeyDB, coming in the new year. I saw that. Um, yeah, so if you'd like to discuss what you're working on. Go ahead. Yeah, of course. Um, working with the Kraken during their inaugural season and during their pre-inaugural season was uh, a whirlwind. Um, it was a very interesting time because while things were going on positively internally, we were struggling on the ice, and that was a very difficult situation to be in um, because our vibes and our confidence in each other and uh, and a team that we knew we could be, um, you know, it was difficult, but it was so exciting to be a part of of the team and just this history that we now made. And I, I do hope that if there is a documentary, which I feel like there has to be a documentary made about the situation that Erica and I are both in it, because um, I feel like it, a lot of what went on last year in the last two years um, was built by people like Erica and myself. Um, and I was surrounded by a lot of amazing BIPOC people that were behind the scenes, just absolutely doing the best that we could with the resources that we had. Um, and I think that internally we set up a really great path to go forward sustainably inside. Um, and I hope that, you know, a lot of these little projects that I've had my hands on during that time um, that their history moving on as well, but that remains to be seen. Um, and the other day I was like kind of getting a little sad about that or nostalgic um, because a couple months ago it was like the anniversary of the last time I was there. Uh, and I was just looking through my photos and I was like, oh, like I wish, you know, like there's a way to commemorate my time there. And then I realized that uh, my boss at the time, Becca Elliott, she signed my name on the beam that is inside the arena. So I will, as long as that roof stays where it's supposed to be, um, that, you know, that my name is in there forever, which is more special than anything um, that I've done externally for them. Um, and that's, and that's kind of hard to explain, but um, it means a lot. So, yeah, I just started the Hockey of Tomorrow. We um, are going to be a multimedia platform. We're launching in February. I'm really excited about us. Um, because of our mission, we're doing something a little bit different uh, that shouldn't really be different when you care about what's going on in society from a hockey perspective. Um, and hopefully that becomes more normalized as time goes on. But I think at this point, we don't really have a choice to ignore certain things. And um, while this sounds like a very serious description of what's to come, um, we are going to just put out a lot of positivity as well. I think that that's super important to focus on when there does seem to be something terrible happening every week um, in this sport, in this landscape right now. 
Um, you know, we hope to be a safe place for everyone, everyone. Uh, we put that in quotes because we are not the NHL. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really exciting. And I hope, uh, you know, we've, we've started to collect the pool of people from our online, you know, uh, citing and searching. And I'm really excited to see what's done. So that's, that's what's going on for me right now. Awesome. That is amazing. It'll be great. It'll be great to see. That's, I believe it's at hockey tomorrow on Twitter as well. Right. Okay. I was like, I'm pretty sure I got the at down, but yeah. Um, Erica, would you like to, uh, maybe speak a little bit? I know you mentioned your podcast earlier, but speak a bit about what locked on Kraken is like, as well as what it has been working or kind of creating black Rosie media as well as, uh, kind of what's going on in the uh, world of the PHF right now. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, first, Chanel is awesome. So if you're not already following her, you should definitely do that. I absolutely adore her as a human being, and we keep each other sane, especially through the inaugural season. <laughs> um, and I, I love what Chanel does in hockey, and I think that you know we're we're in lockstep in so many different ways there. And so, just echo everything that she said. Can't wait for what she will be doing um, and what we can expect from her in her new role. Uh, as far as Locked on Kraken, yeah, I've mentioned it a few times, recognize some people in the chat. And I mean, I, I we talk about Seattle. Um, I am the type of host, as you probably picked up, I like to keep it pretty real. So if you catch me after a loss, like today, I'm going to tell you what I didn't like about it, what went wrong. And I can also be enthusiastic, uh, about people other than Maddie Beneers and Ryan Donato, but about the team overall, um, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. And I think that's a part of, you know, Lockdown Kraken is definitely a community for fans. Uh, so we can have fun and and we can really enjoy being Seattle Kraken fans. But as as someone who is also a journalist, I think it's also important to talk about some of the things that you don't like so much as a fan or that are things that we really have to address as a team. And defense continues to be one of those things in my book. Um, so that's what you can get from Locked on Kraken. I also try to, I mean, Chanel's been on the show a few times. We have Allison Lucan, who's been on the show, Everett Fitzhugh, uh, JT Brown. I have been some of the guests. Um, also Sharon Nyree Williams, who uh, there's this amazing video that the Seattle Kraken put out right before the expansion draft. And she narrated that and she's still narrating some of the videos for the Community Heroes Awards that Seattle uh, puts together. So all of those creators to Chanel's earlier point are people that are in hockey that we don't always visibly see in hockey. I mean, DJ Trunks is another example. He also DJs for the Seattle Storm. He's DJed for the Mariners, the Seahawks. And so those are voices that I like to amplify, whether they're on as guests or we're talking about their work. Um, so you can expect that on Locked on Kraken, which goes into Black Rosie Media. Black Rosie Media was created. And although I'm in the hockey space, I'm also in the soccer space, as it was mentioned. I've done a lot of work in women's basketball and internationally in all of those sports. And what I see and what I know to be true is that not only do we not see a lot of black or, as I say, melanated, because you can uh, be of a darker hue and not only identify as black. So I think that's important to say. But um, 
black and melanated people or BIPOC people are starting to in in greater numbers than what I saw when I started in sports media, that, that we're in these spaces. But once again, we're not always noticed. Our work isn't always amplified. Um, our work is sometimes straight up co-opted. And so Black Rosie Media is a space where we want to amplify those voices and the people that are already in the space from photographers. I mean, Amanda Kane is the first uh, full-time Black team photographer in the NHL. And I got to work with her doing some work in the WNBA and the NWSL, just as an example. So we want to highlight those stories and also provide opportunities for some of those creators wherever they are in their career. I mean, Amanda Kane is like a whole NHL photographer and still needed or still, um, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but she's even at that level, it's still... Um, was difficult for her to navigate as a professional photographer in other spaces. And so we have to help each other out. And so in a nutshell, that's what Black Rosie Media is all about. And we have some exciting things that we have planned in the next handful of years. And uh, I can't wait to share some of those soon. At the at the top of the year, we'll talk a little bit more about them. But that's what's going on there. Um, and as far as the Premier Hockey Federation, the PHF, which is the Women's Hockey League, I am the longest tenured broadcaster of that league. I just uh, was on my 90th broadcast, uh, I guess, last weekend before the holiday break. And I'm very proud of that. Uh, I've stuck it out. I've gotten a lot better as a broadcaster in a lot of ways. You know, Chanel and I were messaging earlier that, you know, part of that is being able to listen to more men's hockey and hear what I like and hear what I don't like or things that, you know, finding a, a balance. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I think, um, you know, hockey is something that I didn't grow up watching. It's not something that I ever thought I'd really get into, but I have found a community in hockey. And there are a lot of things about hockey that still need to change. And I'm actively working to change those things, not just for my own personal curated experience, but for other people's experiences. Um, but I would be, um, but the truth, I should say my truth is that hockey is how I got into sports media um, and black women in particular are who got me into hockey. And now I sit here and, you know, I, I'm, I always feel kind of weird saying some of this stuff because I don't want to be like braggadocious, but I will put it this way. I'm extremely proud that I now have covered, like I said, uh, multiple sports at the international level, including going to my first ever uh, Winter Olympics, covering Matt Veneers and Sarah Nurse at those tournaments in particular. Um, you know, I've been able to really occupy a space that not a lot of people who look like me or sound like me or have my background have been able to occupy. And that is because I have been given uh, an opportunity to fall in love with hockey and have been sustained by just the the amazing positive energy of people like Chanel, people like, I mean, I'm wearing my Seattle Kraken Black Girl Hockey Club hat, um, and those spaces are extremely important, so we should support those spaces. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. 
thank you. Yeah, thank you both. It is certainly, yeah, hockey is certainly a sport that is not kind of welcoming to a lot of people and it's it's concerning it's you see it in a lot of other sports where there is like a significant difference but hockey is like the one that kind of got away and is seen as you know having all these issues which it does have all these issues it does 100% still have all these issues there's still horrific things going on in this sport but um it is important to have people like the both of you, Chanel and Erica, to kind of uh, move this sport and sports media and uh, communities kind of in a further direction and get more in the spotlight a bit. Because um, you guys deserve it better than some of the old white guys that talk hockey, honestly. I'm, I'm sick of a couple of them, honestly. But uh, yes, thank you both for the work that you do. Um, you're both amazing. Go follow them on Twitter and, you know, other platforms, check out what they're doing. Um, Erica, I do have a question, uh, a couple questions about the PHF. Um, what is your impression of PHF teams? I know you mentioned about being a broadcaster and watching, like, men's hockey and seeing what you like, what you don't. Uh, what's your impression of having the, some of the teams having, like, the partner teams, like the Bruins and Pride, um, in Boston, or the Minnesota Wild and Whitecaps. Also, Whitecaps gets me really confused with the MLS team we have in Vancouver. So anytime I see somebody <laughs> talking about Whitecaps on the Twitter timeline, I'm like, okay, which one is it this time? But, yes. Yeah, so I think that is something that before, so just really quick, before the league was called the Premier Hockey Federation, it was called the National Women's Hockey League, NWHL, and, um, so there were four original teams. We have a founding four, as I like to say. Um, and so that's the Boston team that you mentioned, uh, the Buffalo Buttes, the Connecticut Whale. And at the time, there were the New York Riveters. And I think it made a lot of sense early on. And I think it still makes a lot of sense if you're talking hockey in certain markets. A lot of people's reference point is the National Hockey League. That being said, throughout the years, and now we have seven teams. Uh, so we've expanded to Minnesota, as you mentioned, Toronto, um, who am I missing? Montreal. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and so, um, I think that what we've seen is that that is still a model to some extent. So the Boston pride, their home ice is the practice facility of the Bruins and they have a pretty good relationship, um, with warrior hockey overall. Um, you saw that the Whitecaps, they just moved to an arena that they could kind of brand a little bit more of their own. So they moved away from Trier Rink, which was the home uh, or the practice facility of the Minnesota Wild. So I think we've seen the relationships evolve and change over time. There was a time where the Pagulas owned uh, the Buffalo Buttes, and then that went away because women's hockey. I mean, if you follow women's hockey, some of you, you get it. Um that could be a whole podcast in of, in and of itself. But um, I think that what I like about where the relationships stand right now is that they are, um, I think, substantial without having to make the women's hockey teams uh, feel like an immediate extension of whatever the NHL team is, because in a lot of ways they aren't and never really have been, um, especially thinking of the financial resources and where they come from. So I like when there's synergy, um, but also each team is allowed to be unique and, and have its own way of kind of repping its city. So that's my take. 
Yeah, it's kind of like having a partnership instead of having yeah. uh like kind of parental ship. I don't know if that's yeah. the right kind of yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's that just made me think of what you were saying how kind of like it's it's a separate entity but have being su being supported um Yes. Uh it kind of reminds me of how there's this whole now push for a Canadian professional women's soccer league. Um right. and now like the white caps are taking a lot of responsibility in it like the vancouver white caps are and i hope they got steph LeBay in it to help facilitate the creation of it and stuff like that but it still feels like it's going to be under the white caps somehow like the same level that their uh vwfc2 team is um it just kind of feels like they're below essentially that whereas i feel like the mm -hmm. phf and uh their teams they do a great job at kind of just like uh distinctly representing i've seen this with like what i've seen of the nwsl too uh mm -hmm. they kind of have a distinct identity and in the WNBA as well it's kind of like a different they're different from the major teams that dominate that kind of or dominate in quotations obviously but uh if you're like in arizona or something and you're talking about the coyotes dominating sports you're wrong but um uh yeah, it's it's certainly good to see them have like a separate identity and with the PHF being supported by other teams it gives like people an extra kind of route to viewing them especially with I remember last year there was like I remember the Bruins went into one game wearing Boston Pride jerseys or shirts or something like that. It was something like that, but I I remember it seeing it last year and I just thought that was a cool thing to kind of include the team and show a partnership kind of like how it would be nice if Toronto did that, but um, MLSC doesn't apparently own the six. But you know, it would be it would be kind don't. of it would be yes, they don't because you know they can wear Argos sweaters into the game, and that's a completely different sport. But <laughs> forget the other Toronto teams; they don't exist. All right, um, I think that's a good note to end on. Thank you both for joining me tonight on Game Over Vancouver. Ooh. It was lovely to have you both on. Um, just another remember, like, comment, subscribe to SDPN, uh, follow our host on Twitter, I believe it's been posted in the chat a few times, as well as just on our Twitter post. Um, yes, thank you both to Chanel and Erica for joining me. I have been Kaya May, the Vancouver Canucks, 1-5-4, no, 6-5 in a shootout. <laughs> I was thinking of the score before the game, before, like, the last minute and a half of the game, we're in... The Canucks were- I was so used- I was about to say 5-4 Kraken, too. Like, that's the bad part. I am sorry. I'm sorry. Alright. Yes, thank you both for joining me. <laughs> and, uh, it's been a fun live show. Live show, let's remind everybody. Thank you, and, uh, good night, everybody. Thank you. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.